My name is Scott. And we are doing the book of Judges, chapter 2. Yep. And we'll go from probably Judges chapter 2, 1 through the rest of it, and then (laughs) Judges 3, 1 through 6, just because... Um, I think that they just had too much wine when they put the little uh, (laughs) chapter marks into place. And so they don't always land in the most um, relevant places. Um, So we're going to go ahead and and probably take it a little bit further just just for context purposes. So I know there's no punctuation in Hebrew, but I hate when a verse gets split. I know. By a number in the middle of a sentence. Yeah. And that will happen here. Just finish off the sentence. It's like, or you know what? We can change some of the punctuation around. If we need to yeah. end a complete thought, they didn't say and in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. It didn't exist. We put that there. Right. So, I mean, yeah, I agree. Or, I mean, even just like, that's not even a sentence. Like, if we're, yeah. we're going from two to three, like, it's quite a few verses. Yeah. That's. Mm. But I guess I'm making fun of people that might be smarter than I am. But. I'm not always convinced. You know, yeah, at some point somebody was like, hey, uh, stop putting those numbers in. Oh, these are actually kind of helpful. And mm-hmm. nobody like double, triple checked that to make sure that he should, you know, put them where he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At what point did he just like, oh gosh, this book is long. I'm just going to start writing down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Take, took me too long to read this chapter. Time for a new one. Yeah. Nope, three. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I should have kept it going. Well, too late now. Published. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember who did the numbering system. Um, I used I to know. know. We probably studied it in Bible college. Well, they did number systeming or number systeming for lots of di- different historical things. I don't know who did it for. I'm seriously gonna put who? Oops, um, or how? Who put the first numbers in the Bible? It's probably one of those that some they told us when we were in Bible college, and I just didn't care and uh, forgot. That's what, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we. It was Robert Stephanus created uh, the verse numbering system in the 16th century. Okay. Well, good for Robert. So is he the one that did it for the Bible, or is he the one that created the system that does it everywhere? Uh, I don't know, man. You ask hard questions. Because once this has been done, I mean, like maybe the the first. Wait, so he did the verse numbers, but the chapters guy was Stephen Langton, which I've actually heard of. Well, didn't they have to work together? Cause like, no, they were like 300 years apart. So how do you do like the verses without the chapters? Bro, don't ask me questions. Wouldn't you be like chapters verse 600, verse. 400? Chapters first. Oh, chapters came first. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess that makes more sense. But sometimes the chapter doesn't end where it should. Then that makes even less sense because then they don't even... Because you would think that you'd at least read the rest of the chapter. You know, at home we actually have a Bible without the chapter verse markings, and I've never touched it. <laughs> so I can't say that I would go that route. Well, you won't, at this point, you almost need to, like, because you're like, I probably all right, should. kid. I think it's called a reader, reader's Bible or something like that. Really? I'm really trying to. Because, I mean, if you find a good verse, you're like, man, I know it's somewhere. And, like. That would be, now, that would be interesting to judges. see. Judges. That'd be interesting to see if I could. Because, like, John 3.16 would not necessarily exist without, obviously. I right. mean, the verse would, but the reference would not. How I wonder how that would be. 
So, I mean, some of the... Like, there'd be no end zone versus what would we wave on flags during sporting events? Like... <laughs> I don't know. The Book of John! <laughs> might be better. <laughs> All back. of John. <laughs> Which one? That's, that's read, a long book. I mean, that's not a short John. one. All the chapters. Yeah. Yeah. That was dead air right there. Yeah. I didn't know how to respond. I was, <laughs> I, uh, I was lost. I was like, um... I mean... I don't know. Because if you can get someone to read John 3.16, I figure that's like a, a win anyway. Like read you know, all of John. Like, hey, Siri, Google. Uh, read, <clears throat> what is John? She got me. Oh. Oh. <laughs> what? Oh, she, she apparently she read your mind. Hey, Siri. What's John 3.16? She straight up showed the verse. Oh, but she didn't say it out loud. No, because Siri's not good at reading to us. Oh, she doesn't read? Not really. Okay. Siri's, Siri's fine. See, I think Google reads. If I, if I need to have it take a note, set an alarm, or do something, it's <clears throat> great. If I need it to give me information. She just doesn't like to oh, talk. Dude, okay. So, so um, we are definitely not starting December. Um, I found a, it was at Lowe's, they're $10 mm -hmm. and like, it's a programmable or a, a smart plug that you plug into the wall and it hooks to your Wi-Fi. Yeah. I seriously set it up to turn on Christmas lights and then I named it in Google home Christmas lights. So yeah. now I say, Hey Google, turn on the Christmas lights and it, bling. Nah. it's so awesome. It's oh. so awesome. So I need to get one for like Amazon. Yeah, yeah, because you don't use the Google version. No, but, but, uh, this one will do both. It'll do either one. Oh, does it really? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you get more capabilities with one or the other. Okay. Like, I don't know if, like, if you hook it up to Alexa, if you get more <coughs> what? She didn't hear me. Okay. Oh, yeah, because that um, one goes to put Alexa. The other ones go by computer. Oh, okay. Because mo my daughter's name is Hadessa. So most of the time, uh, whenever we say Hadessa, she's like, how can I help you? Or whatever she says. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's funny because we use our, like, until like this, essentially, like, our Google stuff was, like, basically really expensive alarm clocks. Like, we're, like, to set time. Because we have a son who takes a medication and he has to wait a half hour before he eats. So it's, it's like, hey, Google set a timer for 30 minutes. It's like the bulk of the commands to that thing are to set a timer. Oh, wow. It's like, oh, we paid. Well, we got on like Black Friday specials. We okay. got like years ago. It's like we paid like 50 bucks for a timer <laughs> that we yeah. could speak to. We have, we actually don't use the Alexas very often. Like originally I was like, ooh, music. And, and it's like, well, my speaker is better. Um, or... The girls use it to listen to audiobooks. So I guess like, you know, that that's kind of how they're used or they'll ask what time it is. And so I guess they could look, but we don't really have many clocks in here. We did it so we could see the doorbell camera. Okay. But like, seriously, like the where it's positioned, <clears throat> if, by the time I say, hey, Google, show me the front door camera, like I can turn my head and look and see who's at the door. Oh, okay. It's like not even worth. Right. Like waiting for it to mm -hmm. load and buffer and. Yep. Yeah. Well, that's why we got the show. I think that's the show. Okay. And um, we, we had that so that if we were gone from the house, they would know who's at the door. But we don't want them answering the door anyway. Right. So it's like, okay. So, I mean, I guess if we're expecting someone. But for the most part, that is kind of, no. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, ours are just kind of scattered around the house through timers, temperature. They're, like, the kids will get into moods where they'll play with them. But, like, if we play music because we have Spotify, 
um, we have to say, hey, Google, play whatever song on Spotify or okay. else it like plays it off of YouTube. Okay. See, we, because we use Amazon, like um, Amazon Music, yeah. it just goes straight to Amazon Music. So we don't have to play on, we don't have to say on, blah, blah, blah. We just straight there. And because I've thought about it and it's like, well, it's well, like you the said, same they're, price. They're not the best speakers. Yeah. I have Bluetooth speakers that are much better. So, so yeah. So it's not really, yeah. We have a sound bar that has Bluetooth that I think we've used more for music than we've used our Google. Oh, nice. So... Well, those sound bars have good, like, have yeah, pretty we decent. Yeah, we emote to it, though, so oh. it's stuck in one mode, but oh. eh, whatever. Yeah, if you can't buy a new remote for it, we lose remotes all remote. over the place. I'll have to look and see. I can't tell you how many, like, I think we lost it TV movie. remotes <laughs> I've lost. and. Oh, well, we got all those Roku remotes. I we do, too. Joe, Joe got, my <clears> wife <throat> got so upset about not having the volume control. I know, like, because you get the cheap ones, there's no volume. Button. Yeah. She started ordering the, the like, $9 ones off of Amazon yeah. with the thing or whatever with the volume. We just got the, we just got, for Black Friday, we just got a $100 40-inch TV. Jeez. There was a, Ro, or it was, it's not a Roku, it's the, um, it's still TCL or TLC. Is it the Google one? No, it's oh. the Fire one. So it's the Amazon oh, okay. one. Oh, so that works with all your stuff. No, it takes a different remote. I was like, what? Seriously? Because we, we were looking at... Um, they don't, they don't all, they have the Google ones now, but we have a Chromecast. It's the most God forsaken software that uh, Google has ever made. No intention. And yeah, it's literally sitting in my office on my desk, not doing anything because oh, wow. it's so bad. Wow. Okay. I haven't even messed with it. Um, again, I got stuck with Roku cause the Roku TVs are dirt cheap and right. They're dirt cheap. And yeah. So when I found this one, I was like, fire, man, that goes against everything that we've been doing, but I can't beat the, the price. So, well, what if an angel called down fire from the heavens? I feel like be in a different book. I feel like they <laughs> might be judging in order to rescue them and restore them before they screw up again. Man, that sounds a lot like Judges chapter 2 without the fire coming down from the sky. Oh, oh it does, doesn't it? I didn't yeah, even think about that. That's oh, crazy. And a bunch wait, of angels. Yeah. So, and and or one. But throughout the Bible, you probably see multiple. That's true. And we're we're not seeing the entire spiritual domain at that point, right? So it just mentions one. Sorry. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. so okay, so we are in Judges two one through five. I'll read from the ESV. Um, and then we'll talk a little bit and you know how we do. Yeah. So, um, oh, oh the warning, um, this chapter is oh. not so bad, but, uh, for judges in its entirety, uh, there are lots of mature and some would even say adult themes. So parents use good judgment. Ah, I see what uh, you did there. Anybody, your kids listen and kids, if you're listening without your parents permission, like remember Jesus is watching. I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead, man. Although, if they're reading the Bible without their parents' permission, most right, parents might right. be okay with that. Like, just 
we're wholesome-ish, but, um, <laughs> parental discretion advised. Right. Now, the angel of the Lord went up from uh, Gilgal to Basham, and he said, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you into the land that I swore to give to your fathers. I said, I will never break my covenant with you, and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall break down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. What is this you have done? So now I say, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall become thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare to you. As soon as the angel of the Lord spoke these words to all the people of Israel, the people lift up their voices and wept, and they called the name of that place Basham, and they sacrificed there to the Lord. Hallelujah. So what you got? <clears throat> uh, so this chapter, we were talking about this uh, prior to recording, um, reads a lot like what we've read, you know, in Deuteronomy, reads a lot kind of like what we've read some overviews in some of the prof- prophetic books. Uh, so there is a lot of like what you see is what you get. There's not a lot of like hidden meanings to this. It's not like last chapter where like there were some wordplay and stuff like that that uh, us native English speakers might not pick up on. But there were a couple of cool little parts. Um, one, the angel of the Lord, I did not know this, um, is the same phrase that is sometimes used to mean a prophet of the Lord because uh, that root really is messenger. Mm-hmm. Um, however, uh, for some reason... Uh, and I don't remember what the, the whole note was supposed to be because I had a rough time apparently when I was studying. Uh, this does indicate more of a heavenly being. It doesn't indicate a prophet coming to speak to them. So this isn't like some unknown prophet. This does seem like a heavenly being come to them. But I thought that was kind of interesting. I never uh, – actually, I do – I kind of remember from like when I was learning Hebrew, the whole M-A-L apostrophe A-K Molech, I yeah. guess. Uh, being both prophet, meaning prophet, but I didn't realize that it also was angel. Okay. Um, which I should have, right? Like, yeah, uh, a little mess. A long time ago. I mean, both of them play that role of a messenger in, in some form. So, I mean, I guess it would kind of make sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely from the, you know. Um, Gilgal uh, gets a lot of press. Uh, Gilgal is a military base at this time. Uh, oh, 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 this is also. Um, well, I guess we'll get into that more in the next section. Um, so I kind of come back. Uh, we're going to do a little time traveling uh, in this yeah. book. But yeah, uh, this is a military base at the time of <clears throat> the early Canaanite conquests uh, during Joshua's time. Uh, what happens is interesting is it goes from being uh, the establishment, the military base, a place of resources to uh, pretty much the rest of the Old Testament being a place of evil. Mm. And the place is pointed to in many places as being basically like the origination of like where sin is coming from. Uh, it, there's other uh, books that will say things like, uh, don't go up to Gilgal because that's where evil is happening. And like, do not be like those people in Gilgal because so right now <clears throat> it's starting out in Judges at the time of the conquest as uh, epicenter and it becomes one of the most corrupt places in scripture that's not named Sodom or Gomorrah. Now, is this one of the first places we actually see? Um, is this like one of the first places that we actually see Gilgal being used? That's a great question. I would say probably pretty early. Uh, it might be in Joshua. Okay. I'd have to go back and look. Yeah. Uh, some of the ones that I looked through, uh, some of the examples were uh, pro- prophets. I should probably open 
log off in at my other notes right before. Yeah, I was seeing if I could look <laughs> it up. Yeah. Um, so, so I guess, so if it was mentioned, then it probably Joshua would in the first place. Um, but this might be actually where it gets its bad, not so great name then maybe. What's Gilgal? Know. Cause what's funny is I remember thinking I need to look up what, uh, Bachem or whatever it is. So Bachem means, oh wait, hold on. I don't think I have Bachem. I have Bochum. Oh, here's a, uh, my commentator, uh, his name is Boda, and he says, The fact that worship and allotment of territory occurred at this site, meaning Gilgal, uh, secured its function as a cultic center throughout Israel's history. He points to Amos 4, 4, 5, 5, Hosea 4, 15, 9, 15, 12, 11, among others. Um, so, for example, in Hosea, it says, Though you played the whore, O Israel, we warned you, parents, uh, let not Judah become guilty. Enter not into Gilgal, nor go up to Beth Aven, and swear not as the Lord lives. Uh, Amos 5 5. But do not seek Bethel, do not enter Gilgal, 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 Gilgal or cross over to Beersheba, for Gilgal shall surely go into exile, and Bethel shall become nothing. Uh, if there's any. Uh, this is Hosea. If there's any iniquity in Gilead, uh, there shall surely be. They shall surely come to nothing. In Gilgal, they sacrifice bulls. Their altars are like stone heaps on a furrow uh, on the furrows of the field. I mean, it's just over and over again. Gilgal gets slammed. So basically, all right. So basically, this is not a good place to to necessarily be a part of. And the pronunciation is Bakum or Bokim. Bokum. 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 I remember I, somebody so, just said that the C-H is followed by an I. You usually make a hard sound. Okay, so Bokum. So it's pronounced Boken. So B, B, The phonetic is B-O-K-I-M. Okay, so, so my Boken. commentary, because I was going back, I was like, wait, what, why do I have this Boken in here? And so... M M is in Bokim. Okay, so Sorry. I have Bokin. Oh, interesting. And I was like, what, what is this? Because my commentary was talking about it, and I was like, I actually didn't put... Oddly enough, I didn't put where the context of that was. And so Boken, B-O-K-I-N, is what they have, is Hebrew word related to weeping. So Israel's unfaithfulness causes the house of God to become a house of weeping. Um, And then it gets into that whole idea of a thorn. So they're going to be a constant annoyance. Um, They're never fully going to go away. They're going to always be there. Um, A snare, basically the things, the idols, um, they're going to continue to entice, uh, pull people away from God. Um, So ultimately, they're going to be a thorn and a snare to the people. So they chose to be disobedient um, by not fully getting rid of them. And although we see an aspect of disobedience to God, it was a practical, I mean, their need to be obedient to God was a way of worship, but it was like a really practical way of worship. Like it would have benefited their society. And by not being obedient, then they're actually finding multiple places of judgment or punishment um, that's going to impact them because of their actual disobedience. Um, I'm going back to see how it puts that book in though in context oh no it is bokum i just misspelled it yep oh good so bokum with an m actually is so i guess autocorrect autocorrected it yeah. um 
So bokum basically means it's a Hebrew word for weeping. Um, so it is ultimately um, going to be a place that, that is going to be a place of weeping. So when they call the name the place of bokum or weeping. This place, I thought I made a note. Or have we not gotten to that verse and you jumped ahead? For what? So I've got one through, I read one through five. Yeah, I put a note, but I don't see why it's in there. <coughs> uh, but yeah, the weeping part was basically... Uh, something that the uh, people in the area uh, did uh, is a try, now I'm trying to find that note because I thought I wrote it because I thought it was kind of a cool I said there's no insights but this is um, it's essentially like a, a cultic weeping uh, they did it to try and spur the empathy of other gods and of other people on them Uh so the weeping that they did was not like a repentance. It was like a, it was like a ritual. Yeah. That's kind of what I got as well, where like when, when they were talking about, so the weeping, was it actually a repentance? And it was more like, you're just busted no. yeah. and you're not necessarily repentant, but you're upset that you you're busted. Caught. Right. Yeah. Um, well, this is the, um, <clears throat> what is this that you have done? Uh, the commentator says that like, that's not like a, what? What? You surprised me. It's more of like a rhetoric, like when you come home and you see that your kids like, you know, spilled grape juice all over the table and didn't clean it up or whatever. It's like, what is this? Like, is that yeah. same kind of like rhetorical, I caught you, I see the mess. Right. Like, it's not like God was surprised. And he said, this is actually very similar to the phrase in the garden where he says, hey, Adam, where are you? What have you done? It's it's pretty much like the you came in and saw the disaster. Okay, right. So it's not like you didn't know. Right. It's like you're it's an you're beyond other words. Yes, <laughs> busted. I, one time we um, I, I we were at a community group years ago, and I remember our kids and the uh, the kids of the people that were hosting uh, for some reason found this baby powder and like sprayed it all over the place. And um, I remember we came upstairs and it was literally like, what is going on here? It's like there's it just white baby powder covering every, everything. Oh, wow. There. But yeah, it's, it's that kind of, yeah. what is this yep. kind of thing. Yeah. And not a repentance and they're weeping. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, so I just misread it. So Bochum basically is what I was pronouncing, Bochum. Yeah. That's um, that's but that's how it's written in my, we yeah. Need that. We well. need that smart. So I will not go ahead and pronounce things always yeah. correctly. <laughs> um, and I probably should listen to it before I come, but like. So yeah. some, this guy is actually really good about phonetically spelling stuff out. Okay. Um, it's one of the first commentaries I've ever seen do that. Well, apparently this guy, and I totally didn't catch it. So this guy, when he does the car girl, um, when she does the commentary, um, yeah. So it said bokum. I wrote it down, and in my mind, I was like, okay. But now going back to it, I didn't reference back to that's what it was related to. Yeah. And so yeah, so that's ultimately what is what it is. The name of the city. Now should they also put um, says the transition in the book of Judges that the Lord will make His presence known. Um, you see that in Exodus 2.24 to them at Bochum, which is Bethel. Um, that's the cultic center was transferred from the um, peripheral, periphery of the promised land at Gilgal. 
into the heart of the country at Bethel. Mm. So that's kind of where we see a little bit of a transition. More of that. Yeah. Um, so, um, a couple other things. The uh, <coughs> snare to you. Uh, yeah, that's a uh, active phrase, um, basically showing that they're being hunted. It's not a passive phrase, like where they accidentally walked into a trap. Mm-hmm. Um, it shows that as we've seen even Jesus would later say like the enemy is like a, a lion, like, you know, stalking its prey and, you know, ready mm-hmm. to hunt kind of thing. Um, that's, this is another active, um, for their shot, their God shall be a snare to you. Uh, the actual like literal would be, um, they will throw a hunter's net on you is essentially what it's saying. It's it's an active, uh, Active phrase. It's a verb. Right. Cool. <laughs> uh, it's a nice idea. Weren't you an English trying. major at one time? No, I was not. Okay, just kidding. Uh, so now I I say I will not drive them out before you, but they shall become thorns in your sides, and their god shall <clears throat> sorry their gods shall be a snare to you. So they, I think a lot of times we we think there's like this passivity to Israel. Uh, during this time to where they just kind of like they rest on their laurels and thought oh all is good we'll be fine and like they slowly were getting assimilated into the culture but in reality the culture was an aggressive culture that was like quickly overtaking them and you know not to get too you know crazy sounding but that's <clears throat> essentially how it goes here I'm going to say um, yeah in, in, in tw- you know I don't know where you're listening to this from I know we got you know we've got kind of worldwide but in North America, uh, it's real quick and easy to be to to forget what God has done and to go your own way, and to be entrapped by other gods. Mm-hmm. It's super easy. Well, how many times do we hear in Deuteronomy, "Lest you forget"? Um, oh, I mean, we heard that over and over again, and and I actually even put like right underneath the section. I was like, "Well, how true is this to our present day?" Like. How enticing does our own culture suck us in? And and even as Christians and believers, we're just like, at times, I think it's easy to get sucked into the culture because sometimes you're like, ooh, um, it is actively trying to get our, our attention in everything. I mean... How many times do I look at my phone a day? Sadly, I don't even want to know. Um, how many mine, times... Mine tells me. <laughs> oh, yours tells you? Yeah, you get a report once a week that says, like, you had this much screen on time how many pickups and okay stuff like oh, that. Nice. it's humbling okay mine's less than his well what's I, funny, I, kidding, I, to, I don't know used to brag i'd be like oh guys i only had like i had like four hours of screen on time this week and everyone else is like four hours a day kind of thing mm-hmm. like, well i also work in front of a computer mm. like oh i want to check that out Scroll, scroll, scroll. You know, it's like, uh, okay. Oh, so I that's a little bit it. cheating. Yeah, you know, like they're like innocently using it for Spotify searching for songs. Well, I'm just doing that on a computer screen. Right, right. Like it's it's much easier. So yeah. yeah. So I mean, we can easily get enticed. I mean, <laughs> you you got. I mean, we just got finished with Black Friday. Um, and depending on what month it is, Black Friday and whatever month you choose to make it. <laughs> um, you know, we got. I mean, the amount of times that, that people are on their cell phones, like even at family gatherings, it's like, oh my gosh, like get off your cell phone oh, or yeah. even. We, uh, notice that a lot. I have, um, <clears throat> uh, we have in-laws over, I mean, my in-laws obviously. And, uh, I remember 
one of them was one of the first people I'd ever known that had like a reliable smartphone. Uh-huh. And I used to always think, man, she's on that thing all the time. What could she even be looking at? Like, what's so great about it? And then um, her husband used to make fun of her for it. Well, this time it was different. He was tethered to it. Hmm. Like he was constantly checking stuff out and looking and like, it was like, you could kind of see him like sneaking that, uh, you know, sneaking a peek at it and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Yep. And, and, and we have, uh, sorry, I just brain farted. My daughter just walked in. Um, I was ready to hit oh, you, but then she but, it, but as, I mean, as a teacher, like I can't get them to put like, we, we can't fight that. They're like on it all the time. And even if you tell them to put it away, great. They got a smart watch. Um, yeah. And my daughter's mad. She can't wear her watch at school. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's everywhere. And so like, we can't really be, we can't throw too much shade at them. Cause like, in all honesty, our culture is no difference. And maybe, I mean, Oh, could even worse. say potentially worse with how much of a thorn or a snare our technology and, and our culture is in our in our own world. Yeah, um, we, so we can get things that they couldn't even dream at. Right, like and you know. So yeah. yeah. So we're gonna move on to the next section here, um, and you might be thinking to yourself, "Man, Joshua's dead, and everything's going to heck in a handbasket." Uh, we're gonna time travel. Mm-hmm. And some people say this is the second introduction to the book. Uh, there was debate as to whether or not the first chapter and some change were added on uh, after the facts. Do you have a neighbor with a fireplace or do we need to evacuate? Um, no, I think it's downstairs. Oh, okay. Um, so we have some people oh, living in our basement. Right. So the, they'll, they'll run incense sometimes. Gotcha. I was just like, do we need to, do we need to go? No, I think we're good. All right. Um, Sorry, everybody. <laughs> Theater of the mind. Or we'll have fire alarm go off and we'll be running out. And you guys will experience a fire. Uh, let me back up my iPad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so this is the second intro. Um, a couple of changes that we see is uh, how the leadership structure is going to shift a little. And then Israel becomes less tribal sounding and a little bit more... Uh, one giant messy ball of people. Yeah. So. Um, and, and part of this actually also um, assumes prior knowledge of the covenant renewal ceremony of Shechem. Um, so we're going to see where um, if you're going back to that part, it looks like it starts well. And this kind of utilizes some of the same language as, as you're in Joshua 24, 1 through 27 at the ceremony. And it kind of starts off with prior knowledge of that and actually coming from that 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 place. Um, and again, we're going to see Joshua 24. Okay, things look kind of cool. Covenant renewal, things are good. Here's what we promised to do. And it didn't last long once, once he died. So, Spoilers. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. Let's read yeah um, six through nine uh yeah uh <clears throat> ten. Ten. Six through ten um when joshua dismissed the people the people of israel went e- each to his inheritance to take possession of the land and the people served the lord all the days of joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived joshua who had seen all the great work that the lord had done for israel and joshua the son of nun the servant of the lord died at the age of 110 years and they buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance um, in timnath heris in the hill country of ephraim north of the mountain of gash and all that generation <laughs> also it's funny because it's about g-a-a-s-h uh-huh, i did that on purpose it was uh, a <laughs> 
gosh. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. So I don't have like a lot here. The biggest thing I have is that we are called in Deuteronomy, among others, Mm -hmm. places to remember. We've talked about in this podcast that remembering was super important. Um, And remembering doesn't simply mean to think back at our own personal experiences, but it's also to uh, talk to others about what we know has happened, um, whether in our own life or remembering back into what we've read in Scripture. And where Israel makes a big fall here down the down the well into the giant hole covered in spikes and have a brutal death um, is that it says uh, and the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua who had seen all the great works that the Lord had done for Israel so basically when all those people died nobody was passing on the legacy they they were not remembering mm-hmm um, and we start seeing that the leaders that come after this are, like I said, pretty messy. Mm-hmm. Um, the leaders, for some of them, do rather well, and they're remembered fondly, and the Lord is with them. And some of them, basically, the moment they accomplish the task, they turn into meatheads. And and, the, and this is was actually very much part of the heart of of what they were supposed to be doing um, and as, as God's people in general. Like, what is it? The Shema in Deuteronomy 6 like, yeah. is all about teaching your kids and loving God with your whole heart, soul, and strength. And God being one, um, Yahweh is our God. Our God. Yahweh is one. Love, love Yahweh with your whole heart, mind, and soul, and um, our heart, mind, and strength. And um yeah, Jesus does the adds another one because of the Greek. But anyway, yeah. um, and then it's like tie them here, put them here, tie you know, like make sure that the everywhere um, you are continually teaching your kids about what happened when they're, they're celebrating Passover. Um, they are supposed to teach as if um, they had also been a part of the the main rescue from Egypt. So, like it's it's a common theme that that they are supposed to to have that 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 firsthand knowledge of 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 who God was and, and they were supposed to relate with the the stories of the things that God had done throughout um um just their history in general. Um so it's a big deal for them to to not have knowledge um or to not know God in, in the way that, that that they're they're discussing right here. And taking this to our day and age Mm -hmm. is we are supposed to raise up our children to in the way that they're supposed to go. Yeah. Um, And kind of what we see is at the second half of 10 is, and there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. And our job as parents, um, leaders, church members, people who know Jesus is to spread those words those memories, uh, the gospel to others who are put under our, you know, can't think of the word. Um, like protection, under our but care, yeah, care. yeah, under our care, uh, care works. That's not the word I was thinking, but it works. Yeah. Um, we're supposed to care for people and show them this so that what's happening in judges and, 
to some extent what's happening once again in the world around us yeah. doesn't happen. <clears throat> well, I mean, I haven't been a teacher that long. Um, yeah, you have. Not, not, not that that long. Oh, um, like 15 years. Shut up. Um, <laughs> maybe even a little bit longer. But I've been a teacher longer than I've had some <clears throat> of my kids. Shh. <laughs> and you didn't say all of them. You said some of them. No, no, because I, um, I do have a 16-year-old. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> um, <clears throat> sorry. Um, but it's, it's one of those that, that I'm, I'm shocked because I would say that if you're thinking about Jesus and people's understanding and knowledge of Jesus, years ago, people at least knew who Jesus was. Um, they either liked him or they did not like him. Mm-hmm. Um, they at least had some sort of knowledge of who he was. And I'm shocked now at how the amount of people that don't know um, about who Jesus is. And, and it's the thing is, is it's parents who would even say that, um, oh yeah, I'm a Christian and they might go to church and they, they might be believers of some sort and their kids have no clue of, of who Jesus is or even what it means to be a follower. And I'm like, oh Jesus, please show me how I can really make sure that, that my, my kids grow up knowing and not just like knowing about, but like knowing, like knowing, knowing Jesus. And you see even that prayer in Ephesians, sorry, I went New Testament on you. Um, and even in Philippians and, and some of those where Paul just desires to pray for them, that, that they know God on a, on a deep level. And I think that's, that's part of what, what, what they're kind of talking about. And they rose another generation after them who did not know the Lord. You completely left out the prayer of the gar- <clears throat> in the garden from Jesus himself. Oh, yeah. Right now. I'm sorry, I went straight to Paul. My this bad. is why we don't do new texts. I know. <laughs> we just miss things. <laughs> so so it's it's one of those that, like, I mean, we, we live in a generation where this is so true, where just the knowledge and the knowing of who God is is just slowly disappearing and, and slowly fading off into the distance. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether we have to blame um, families, um, being parents, um, whether we have to blame the church itself, um, whether we have to blame, I, I don't know, but we, we have a generation coming who, after them, who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel or for Christians or for his people. And I have a lot of theories, but that's a different <clears throat> podcast. Okay. <laughs> would, would, would most of them, like, would we drop subscribers if no, listeners? No, it's just, I firmly believe that <clears throat> yeah, it might lose some subscribers. Um but we don't get paid anyway, so whatever. No, that's fair. Um, I believe that the gospel that was taught in the <clears throat> 70s, 80s, and somewhat 90s wasn't a true, and in some cases, complete gospel. Hmm. Um, and that's it, that's part a huge part of the problem. Um, and I would go as far to say... I think a lot of the 1900s, there was a false and incomplete gospel. Maybe even going back to some of the founding of the mid-1800s. You know, any gospel that values the abuse of people groups, like through slavery, um, the uh, downplay of uh, God's creation and the way we treated women, um, he's woke. Here goes here goes a bunch of people. Um, I believe that that's a false <clears throat> gospel. Um, any any time that we used another people group as a stepping stone um, is a false gospel. And a lot of these moves were made in the name of 
God mm. and it wasn't true. Yeah. So I think, I, I think we're reaping that harvest right now. Well, I would even go to say some of it. I mean, I think even right now there's parts of a false gospel being taught within the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and that is the, they forget the simplicity of the gospel and not to say that there's not sanctification that happens. Um, but I think sometimes we, we get into, we are not being asked to be circumcised and we are just really, if we go back to Paul and what he's saying, we're going back to circumcision of the heart, circumcision of the heart. (laughs) Well, I'm using really Paul's argument in Galatians with that idea of just circumcision. It is circumcision, circumcision, that, that adding something onto the gospel that really, I mean, he says it's faith and faith alone. And again, that doesn't mean that sanctification is not a part of it. But I think so many Christians are so quick to judge and so quick to say, oh, you're not doing this. Then all of a sudden your faith isn't quite as worth as much. Mm -hmm. And that right there is a false gospel that that takes away from the simplicity and the power of the cross. And and we're saying, like, I've even seen, and this is very true in, like I said, this could be a whole nother podcast. A lot of the prosperity churches, oh, yeah. um, you're not praying enough. Mm-hmm. Man, some of these people are tired from begging on their knees the whole time just because they stop for a minute to go get some groceries right. um, or you're not praying the right way. Um, this is something that, <clears throat> dang it, what have you started? <laughs> um, it's something that uh, right before COVID shut down the world, my wife and I actually went to a, Prayer training, and I think <clears throat> prayer trainings can be great. They can help get you familiar with prayer, what prayer should look like. You, you know, um, I think that there are proper and improper prayers. Mm-hmm. Um, we can go into those depths also in a whole nother podcast. But this darn thing was nuts. Like the whole, like, well, we should be using the model of the Lord's Prayer and um, we should stop with these desperation prayers and start praying closer to God's will. And we do that by doing X, Y, and Z. And it's like, they're trying to build you on a prayer life that is absolutely ridiculous in favor of having more effective prayers. And I like to go back to John Wimber's prayer where he said most of the time when somebody would come up before him and ask for prayer, he would say, God, help. That was it. Hmm. And there's even verses about not having these long, drawn-out prayers to gain God's favor. Jesus says it himself. And yet we're at a training. And brothers and sisters, I lean heavy reformed. That's not the place that these prayer formulas should exist. Mm -hmm. But that's what we're teaching people. Yep. And it's a a false gospel, Mm -hmm. to be honest. I'm not saying, like, if you're going to God and praying for, like, you know— cocaine and hookers like yeah you're praying wrong mm-hmm. you know but if you're falling on your knees before god begging for healing forgiveness to make ends meet to be able to afford rent next month like man there, there ain't no formula no god help you know what we need help mm-hmm. <laughs> well and it, it takes the control this is gonna sound bad 
It takes the control. It gives you control. I just basically said I'm a Calvinist. Go on. Right. Well, <laughs> it basically puts control onto you, yeah. and you then become your own God and your own salvation. Mm-hmm. And there's no need for Jesus because you just set up a formula to get what you want. Yeah. Um, and that is not that is not a true gospel. No. Um, we're all looking. I mean, I think many times we all look for formulas or what's the right way of doing things. Um, that's what this is what we're teaching. Man. Yeah, absolutely. We're, by we, I mean others. Uh, but that's what people are teaching in churches. Yeah, well-meaning <clears throat> churches. And your church might be an error. So I'm not saying that you're a heretic or that every place I went was full of heretics. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that we, if we do look, if we searched. Over the last century, we would see that America has bought and sold a false gospel for many years, and we're reaping yeah. the seeds of that. People are like, "Well, we used to, we're a Christian nation. We, you know, we used to be so focused." And I got man, look at what was being preached. And, I, I I argue the. <sighs> Preaching to the choir. Yeah, I, I argue the the starting on a Christian nation, um, but um, we might have had the Bible and we might have said the word God, but do our actions um, necessarily show um, the preaching of a gospel Th- beyond Christians words? Went and massacred a people group here in the name of manifest destiny, mm-hmm. uh, dynasty, whatever, and. Slavery. That slavery. Mm-hmm. Well, I hinted at that already. Yeah. Um, it, instead of being missionaries to the people that were already in the land, we went all Israel going into Canaan mm-hmm. on them. And that was never the mandate or the call. Mm-hmm. And you can, there's nothing you could say that would convince me that it was because Jesus simply said, go preach the gospel. We mm-hmm. saw the gospel constantly moving through Paul <clears throat> on his m- mission trips. Um, we the Puritans were not to come here and to beat, brutalize, enslave, and murder the people groups that were indigenous to America. Right. They should have been missionaries to them and teaching them the gospel, but that's not what happened. Right. Instead, we kept pushing further and further west mm-hmm. in the name of superiority. Yeah. It's not the gospel, folks. No, not at all. But we should no, we, we should probably get yes, on with them. Sorry. Okay. Um, Told you it's another podcast. You just got me six minutes of sorry. Worked up. Now I won't sleep tonight. <laughs> All right. So ten through fifteen. Well, you already read ten. There's, so you can start with eleven. Eleven through fifteen. <laughs> All right. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. That's the motto of the book. Yes, um, that is the bottle of the Old Testament. Um, And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtaroth. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he gave them over to their plunders, who plundered them. And he sold them into the hand of their surrounding enemies, so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. Whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm, as the Lord had warned, and as the Lord had sworn to them, and they were in terrible distress. Uh, The quick and dirty. Yeah. 
I mean, we basically just see, I mean, where they chose to serve Baals, bow down, abandon the Lord, went after other gods, abandon the Lord, serve the Baal. Like, I mean, we see over and over and over again. Um, I actually found it interesting where um, kind of like, okay, well, what was so bad about Canaanite worship? What was so appealing about it? Um, kind of the way that they explained it is um, basically um, their Baal worship um, would have been focused on for fertility cults. Um, usually, usually the purpose of it was um, for physical gratification um, or economic security. Um, basically, here is word for word kind of what they said. The Baal cult operated on the principle of sympathetic magic. So in order to ensure fertility of people, animals, and crops, a person would engage in sexual intercourse with a cult prostitute, male or female, at the local Baal shrine. The purpose was to inspire Baal to act likewise on the person's behalf and thus to ensure fertility in all areas of life. Of course, the Lord promised his people that he would supply all of their needs and even more. Um, but they wanted to make sure that all their bases were covered, as it were, and so worship Baal along with the Lord. Basically, Baal worship was a backup plan. If God wasn't going to come through, and unfortunately, sometimes God wasn't even the backup plan. Baal was the main plan, and God was the backup plan. Um, and really, the, the amount of trust and faith that went into that was actually quite low. So this was actually a huge um, 180 from where they're supposed to be and following God to let's go the other direction because, Hey, maybe there's a better way. Um, and eventually God just turned them over to their own stuff and said, fine, are you got this? You want to go this direction? I'll give you over to it. Let's see how it goes for you. Um, and what they found out is, is God didn't add any additional discipline or punishment to them. He's just like, fine, do it your way. See what happens. Um, and actually, their own actions became their own punishment, their own discipline, and really their own... And this, yeah. is, this is what we see time and time again in the Old Testament, and we could argue even <clears throat> present day. Um, that is, a lot of times, the punishment is God lets us do what we want. He lets Israel do what they wanted, what they were so bent on going forward and doing God says okay that's what you want go do it see how that works out for you mm -hmm. and it doesn't yeah it Surprise. almost never does I say almost I don't think it ever does yeah, never. <clears throat> no uh, some more not so fun Baal facts uh, Baal uh, was the god of rain and thunderstorms mm -hmm. uh, which was fertility of the land so that's how they linked that fertility together uh, it rains we get crops that's good that's fertile when yeah you go do gross things you get babies and for whatever uh ashtaroth uh was a war god and that was another vitality <clears throat> it was a very bloody time and to be the strongest and stay in the land you had to be willing to put others to the sword so uh yeah definitely not a you know uh peace loving God, not somebody that wanted the best for people, but somebody that wanted might makes right for people. Yep. Um, <clears throat> Baal was uh, pluralized here along with Ashtaroth, uh, who's Ashtara, uh, both pluralized because there are so many different versions of them. Mm -hmm. Depending on where you went and where you go, there would be Baals with different names. They might have a different suffix at the end of it. Uh, it's actually where we get the word Baal Zabub, Baal Zabub. Uh, a Satan uh, adversary against the people. So we had lots of different <clears throat> little 
Bales running around depending on what people group. It's thought the Baal came from the Philistines' god Dagon, who we don't know a lot about. But what makes that kind of interesting is the Philistines, who we hear about later, uh, were also basically conquistadors. They came to the land to also try and claim it. Uh, they did it by violence. Uh, they were the first major iron workers. And people think they might have been Turkish. They weren't quite sure where they came from, but they apparently had a navy because Philistines translates as people who came from the sea. Uh, So we don't know where they came from, but they also uh, brought their foreign god to go to war with the real god who was brought in from outside. All right. There you go. Oh, and at the end, when it says uh, the people were in terrible distress, a lot of times in the Old Testament, we see a cry out of the people to God where they turn back to him. Uh, Interesting here, there isn't one. There's distress, and they sit in it. Yeah. So that's the last verse of, uh, or 15, the last verse you read. Um, oh, and and where I got my quotes from that, that I read that that I quoted, um, it would be from Joshua Judges and Ruth, the Understanding the Bible Commentary series. Um, and this part is by Cheryl Brown. Um, so I definitely want to make sure that everyone's like, "Ooh, he's smart." No, I'm not. Um, but I, no, I, I do. We, we steal all. Yeah, we do from commentators. Um, so yeah, so commentaries are, are kind of our main source of of. <laughs> So commentators in prayer um, really is our way of kind of interacting and engaging in scripture. Yeah, and to be completely honest, I have a couple of commentaries and I usually pick the notes that I find most interesting, which might not be the best way to teach. Mm -hmm. But I'm partially here to entertain. Yeah. Not gonna lie. <laughs> well, well, and we, we like part of the reason we started this podcast years ago is we're like we have a love for Old Testament scripture, and we see how Jesus is awesome, but he's even freaking more awesome when like you understand the Old Testament and how all of scripture fits together. Um, and so it's one of those that, that it's not even that we want to be, I think, really, if we go back to our earlier conversation, part of the problem with the church is we rely on someone to feed us. And mm-hmm. we don't necessarily want to, to feed you. We want just to be that, uh, hopefully, encourage, yes, yeah. you to go deeper into it. Um, so really great as you're driving to work and you're like, Ooh, let's study judges or Deuteronomy. Uh, we hope that you go home, open the Bible for yourselves and go, man, what they said makes no sense. That's dumb. Or, Hey, that's really cool. I want to look more into it because we are not saying that we are experts. Um, when we read commentaries, we take the pieces that seem to make the most sense. There are commentaries that I don't always agree with. And so there are other perspectives on many of the things that, that we talk about. Um, so so, so yeah. a, a commentary is essentially a book that has comments or commentary or words uh, that flow alongside of the scripture that you're reading. And there are tons and tons of commentaries out there. Uh, one website you can use to rate them is bestcommentaries.com. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really, really good one. Uh, and I've bought numerous commentaries based on the high ratings off of there. Uh, my current set gets highly rated. I usually use the Expositor's Bible Commentary, mm-hmm. the edition with the brown cover, if you're wondering. Um, brown and black, I think, is yeah. the main cover color. It's all digital now. Um, but I recommend basically anything by, not anything, but most 
if you get Zondervan, mm-hmm. who owns the uh, copyrights of the NIV text, uh, it almost almost all of their commentaries are good enough to start with. Mm-hmm. Uh, Crossway, but you're going to pay way too much money for them until the ebook sale at the mm-hmm. beginning of the year. And InterVarsity Press. Those are three big publishing houses that I'm pretty good with recommending. And, and if you're thinking Old Testament, I love Christopher Wright. Yeah. Um, it is one of those. He is a great Old Testament scholar, and he writes from a normal people's thought process. So, like, he writes that to normal people. Um, and, and Very so, much like his contemporary, rest in peace, John Stott. Yes. I, and, and they were basically contemporaries in a way where, like, they... They're kind of business Partner? Yeah. So Langdon Ministries, I think, is yeah. an extension yeah. of. Um, so I highly suggest his stuff where he does a great job of showing how the Old Testament and the New Testament fit together. So when you go through Deuteronomy and Ezekiel, he's like, let's go to the New Testament. And you're like, but wait, I'm in the Old Testament. Like, and but so it's the whole council, yes. so let's do this. <laughs> and so he brings everyone, he, he says, well, here's how Ezekiel is practical. Here's how Deuteronomy is practical, even to us as Christians today. So those are just some good entrance points if you're thinking... Yeah. If you want to go a little deeper, get a commentary and read along. It's good. And if you, you know, want to know some good ones, I just gave you some. Yeah. Some publishing houses that have good ones and authors that have yeah. good ones. Yeah. And anything that has Tremper Longman's name on it, which will be almost all Zondervan, uh, is going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Yep. You um, finish up this? Let's finish it up. Get these, get these people. All right. So where do I leave off? Uh, you team? read 16 through... 23. Yeah. Um, And then we'll finish off with one through. Yeah. Six. Um, Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they did not listen to their judges, for they whored after other gods and bowed down to them. They soon turned aside from the way in which their fathers had walked, who had obeyed the commandments of the Lord, and they did not do so. Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge, and he saved them from the hand of the enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who afflicted and oppressed them. But whenever the judge died, they turned back and were more corrupt than their fathers, going after other gods, serving them and bowing down to them. They did not drop any of their practices or their stubborn ways. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against them. And he said, because this people have transgressed my covenant um, that I command commanded their fathers and have not obeyed my voice, I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations that Joshua left when he died. In order to test Israel by them, whether they will take care to walk in the way of the Lord as their fathers did or not. So the Lord left those nations, not driving them out quickly, and he did not give them into the hand of Joshua. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if I've got anything uh, amazing in here. Um, I... Nothing really, but once again, when you look at the cycle, it's something we see in the Old Testament a lot. And it's, once again, something we've kind of hinted at, not mm-hmm. even hinted, blatantly told you here. Um, this is something I've seen in churches happen as well. Um, people will follow a pastor, an author, a YouTube personality, whatever, really closely. <clears throat> and the moment that person is no longer in their lives, they resort back to where they were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, It's... 
it's that seeds on different soil and the voices of the world will often choke out, you know, to New Testament it again, or they're on the rocky soil and they couldn't put in good roots. Yeah. And that's Israel over and over again. Yeah. No good roots, no good soil being choked out by the world. Yep. And, and I mean, why test them? Like, well, what's even the point? Like, why is God putting us to the test? I mean, well, well, I mean, who are you devoted to? Like, yeah. it is a test as to who do you follow and who do you not follow? Like, do you want to follow God um, or are you not? And like, you can say, yes, I want to follow God. There's lots of people that say that. But are you going to follow? Um, are you going to choose to repent when you sin? Like, um, are you going to... Um, be obedient and then follow the ways of Jesus or are you going to, you know, worship the idols of the culture and, and go that direction? Um, are you going to raise your kids in the way of the Lord, the, the, the Shema of, of Deuteronomy 6? Are you like, how is it that, that you are going to, to live when, when things get tough, when, when someone close to you dies, when you don't have food on the table, when money is rough, like, Oh gosh, that's a lot of Ezekiel. <laughs> I mean, who are you going to follow? Um, so why test them? Shameless plug for that podcast series. <laughs> Which was a good series, a long one, but a good one. Yeah. Um, are you going like, to bring them to a place of repentance? Like part of testing is, I mean, the, the theme that we're going to see here is this idea. And this is really the theme of most of the Old Testament being prophets. Um, they follow God. They rebel. Um, they then um, are sad. They cry out to God. Um, they repent. Um well, they rebel. God gives them discipline. They then um, feel bad. They repent. Um, God, uh, as they cry out for God, God comes, rescues them. Um, they become rescued. Then all of a sudden, guess what? They sin again. Um, God then provides discipline. Um, they then cry out to God. God comes, or they repent. God comes, rescues them. And we're going to see the same cycle. And I'm not quite sure that that cycle is much different than our own faith journey as Christians. And you might um, wonder, like, why does that go over and over and over again? Um, but one thing to look at is God has an ultimate plan. And even our re rebelliousness um, will stop it. Mm -hmm. Like, why does he keep letting this go on? Because as you'll read in the New Testament, uh, a lot of this stuff happened in order to pave the way for Christ to come, hmm. um, especially when you go through the genealogies of who's in Jesus's family. Like they, they have to show up in here <laughs> and God's like not going to let some whiny disobedient people stop that from happening. Yeah. Yep. Um, so finish off through one through six. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Did you say hold on? No, I said go ahead. Oh, okay. I thought you said hold on. I was like, okay. I thought you were going to say anything else? All right. No, okay. All right, here we go. Now, these are the nations that the Lord left to test Israel by them. Um, so we talked about being tested, and this is where it's going to end. Um, so now these are the nations that the Lord left to test Israel by them. That is, all in Israel who had not experienced all the wars in Canaan. It was only in order that the generations of the people of Israel might know war, to teach war to those who had not known it before. Um, these are the nations, the five lords 
lords of the Philistines and all the Canaanites um, and the Sidian, Sidians and the Hevites who lived on Mount Lebanon from Mount Baal Hermon um, as far as Lebo Hamath. They were for the testing of Israel to know whether Israel would obey the commandments of the Lord, which he commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. So the people of Israel lived among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Pezerites, Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And their daughters they took to themselves for wives, and their own daughters they gave to their sons, and they served their gods. Dude, just be confident. Read right through it. Right. No one will ever know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so here we see where they're going to be tested. We've and this be, you know, like over they, and over yeah. and over. <sighs> and they failed the test. Yeah. Yeah. Over and over. Yeah, yeah. And over. Um, so next week we'll see our our neck our first judge, um, and our first judge will begin to hopefully turn their paths in a different direction. Man, you're such um, an optimist. For a short time. Yeah, he's like the only one that doesn't get a total. I mean, they all come back for a couple minutes ish. Yeah. <laughs> um, Right. So we, get yeah, some, yeah. we see some judges that, that at least try and write their path for, for a short time. Right. And then we see some that are complete doo-doo heads. Yep. Yeah, we'll definitely pick that up. Absolutely. All right, man. So we look forward to it next week. First judge. All right. Cool. Bye. Bye.